And welcome back to the damn podcast coming to you live on YouTube and anytime on your favorite podcast streaming service. Live from Corvallis, I'm Carter Baines, and with me as always is beaverblitz.com publisher Angie Machado. Angie, it's been a, a, a few weeks now, almost a month. I think the last time we did this, it was uh, St. Patrick's Day. Wait, day isn't it? Isn't it? It's been a minute. Isn't that what like oh, yeah, yeah, snappers yeah. are saying now? It's been a minute. There you go. It's been a minute, Angie. So uh, <laughs> what have you been up to the last month? It's uh, It's been a while since we sat down here and, and talked Oregon State football, Oregon State baseball. Um, I think the last time we talked basketball was just wrapping up. So uh, how's yeah. how's the last month treated you? How was your spring break? And um, yeah, how, how are things going as we hit April 13th here? April 13th. Holy smokes. Anyway, yes. So we, we kind of got busy there. I, I did take spring break. We went to Palm Springs, just our family and spent some time in the sun. I am trans, I transitioned out of the boot, my walking boot. So those of you that remember, I broke my foot back in late January and spent like nine weeks in a walking boot and then kind of started to transition out in Palm Springs. And I'm working now toward, you know, I feel pretty good right now. I've been doing a little physical therapy on it. Um, and then Carter abandon us. We let Carter take a quick trip. He had an amazing opportunity. So I was down in Corvallis the past couple of weeks covering some beaver football practice. But Carter, why don't my life isn't as exciting as what you've been up to. So why don't you share what you've done in the, the past couple of weeks? Hey, I mean, you were in Palm Springs, which as far as domestic trips go, is pretty hard to beat. I've been there myself and uh, it's it's one of my favorites, especially this time of year when you can get out of this Oregon weather. I mean, we're here recording mid-April and I just looked outside and there's snow on the ground in the Corvallis Hills. Yeah. We had um, snow on Monday morning in Sherwood. Yeah. So anytime you can get out and, uh, and, you know, go hang out in the desert, uh, not too bad, but I just got back about five days ago from my travels, um, took a little spring break myself and was overseas in Greece. So my first international trip, not a bad place to go to get the, to get the ball rolling. I uh, got my passport about a month ago and, and set sail uh, end of March. So the day that you came down to watch practice as the team came back from their two week break was the day I landed in Athens. Um, I spent four days, no, three days in Athens, four days in Santorini, uh, just absolutely incredible. And then one day back in Athens as we wrap things up. So as we record here, I'm I'm still recovering from my jet lag a little bit. Today, I feel substantially better than the last few days. Um, I had a full night of sleep yesterday, but um, yeah, that was that was a brutal reality to come back from a once in a lifetime vacation, ten hours in the future, uh, and and come back here in a completely different time zone and and get back into the routine of going to football practice and and covering baseball. Yeah. So I, we've talked briefly, but like, what was your favorite thing about, I mean, gosh, I've never been to Greece. So what, what stood out? Well, Santorini, I think definitely lives up to the expectations. Um, you know, there's a reason it's probably the most photographed Instagram's, you know, destination on the planet. Um, staying in those cave houses, you know, those white cave houses built into the, the side of the island, uh, and looking over and seeing the sunset over the caldera, probably, you know, I, I don't think that's something that'll ever be topped as as far as you know, just pure destination value. Um, in in my lifetime, I would go back in a heartbeat. And um, 
yeah, I, I think, you know, the highlight of that part of the trip for me was uh, we took a little catamaran sailing cruise around the island. So five hours, you know, we, we sailed around the caldera, went swimming in the hot springs, uh, all inclusive, you know, dinner, bottomless wine. Uh, it was awesome. So I went with a couple of friends and uh, we had an absolute blast. Awesome. Well, um, I am heading out. So Carter did his international travel and I will be heading out internationally here in a couple weeks. So Carter will hold things down. It is, it, it is a little tough when you're eight, nine, 10 hours away. So, um, but I know you'll do a great job and um, yeah. yeah I'll, it be, was, I'll it, be posting it was more weird. pictures than you, Carter. Just, just know that. <laughs> it, it was weird being, you know, overseas and, you know, the, the basketball final four and, and, and national championship was going on. And I was really hoping I would get a chance to watch those games. Um, I, I wasn't about to get up at three in the morning to do that. So, and, and then me being as a bad person, like I am that first, that Thursday practice, I snap I and mean, it was beautiful in Corvallis and I snap a picture and send it to him, send it to Carter, just like, aren't you jealous? I, and then, you know, a couple of the media, other media members that are friends with Carter, like, don't do that totally mean he's trying to check out it's like oh my gosh holy sorry so i'm sorry you can send me all the pictures from practice you want i'm going to paris and florence so um yes you'll be seeing lots of croissants and baguette photos oh, from yeah. my timeline oh yeah yes. yeah i i enjoyed the food there in in greece about as as much as i i think i i could have anticipated the the amount of greek salads euros um coffee that i had yeah i I might be working to uh, to work all of those calories off for a while, but so wait, the coffee was the coffee amazing? Because when I was in Portugal, the coffee was like the most amazing concoction I've ever tried. Yeah, just as good we, in Greece. You know, in the U.S., we like to think that we do coffee right. Mm -mm. It's we just don't. The espresso there, it's either you know you you either get espressos or cappuccinos. There's really nothing else in in Greece, um, and and so you just get like you get that rich, like chocolatey coffee so flavor. Whereas here it's like, everything's watered down and we add sugar and, you know, caramel oh. and all these things. Um, everything over there is, is pure and like fresh. And yeah, it was, it was unreal. In Portugal, I would order every morning, go and buy, order two Americanos, which they were still pretty small. And I would enjoy that. Oh, best thing in the world, but yep. we're here to talk beaver yep. football, beaver sports. Yes. What, what are you go. drinking by the way? I, I am drinking um, a really nice 2018 Aloro Vineyard Pinot Noir. So Aloro is just here in Sherwood. Great little winery if you haven't been there. So I, I'm not really going local with mine. Uh, I'm keeping with the theme of the first five to six minutes of our podcast and going with a Greek drink here. So uh, I imported with me some Ouzo, the, uh, okay. the national drink of Greece. It's a, a black licorice flavored liquor and i i mixed is it, it with... strong or is it like a liqueur like a schnapps oh it's strong yeah okay, it's, okay. it's strong um you don't have to use much of it to get much of the flavor um but when you mix it with something you don't really taste the alcohol and it's just black licorice so i i mixed it with a little bit of orange juice and uh it brings out brings out that black licorice flavor and uh you know the citrusy refreshing taste as well so awesome cheers 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 okay so should we talk some football yep let's dive right into it so 
today's episode of the damn podcast here we are eight minutes into it uh finally getting to the rundown but we had to we had to flex our our vacations and and everything on on all our listeners but uh we're gonna start with some spring football talk as angie mentioned she was here for about a week and a half while i was overseas watching practice i got back into it yesterday um as as the oregon state began its final week of spring ball we're going to talk some transfer portal news we're going to talk baseball uh oregon state jumping up in the rankings once again men's basketball there's a couple of noteworthy items there even though the seasons uh come to a close and then another olympic sport update at the end so let's start right now with the football angie you know i i wasn't here to to see the I guess kind of the meat of spring practice as they uh, as they got back into action. So, fill me in a little bit. Fill the listeners in. What did you see over the last week or so? Yeah, you know that that first day back that Thursday was um, kind of just them getting back and kind of acclimated. But so I was lucky because I actually had really nice weather for the Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday practice that I covered. Um, in fact, that Thursday practice was close to eighty by the end of the afternoon. So um, it was beautiful. My eighth grader asked to go to practice with me. It was like this amazing day. I took him with me. We walked around campus. It was amazing. So, um, but football wise, you know, it was interesting. Those first two practices were completely hundred percent dominated by the defense. Um, I liked what we saw from, you know, um, Andrew Chadfield, uh, Corey Stover. Um, it's really nice to have John McCartan back in the mix. Um, I, I think the bees will be helped off on the edge, um, with those guys. Still, I'm going to stop you right there. Right. I, I like that you're talking about the pass rush because that is an area that I think we've been concerned about uh, this off season. It's, it's an area that we've been hoping to see guys step up. And the fact that you mentioned Andrew Chatfield in particular is, is something noteworthy as we uh, kind of wrap up spring camp here. I think that's a name that Oregon state fans are really interested in seeing what he can bring to the table. So the fact that we're seeing more of him now uh, yes. is a really good sign. So but Sorry to interrupt gonna, you, but I'm but gonna give I, you I a like not so was... fast though, because I still feel that the Beavs are lacking pretty heavily in the defensive tackle category. So um, you know, with um Isaac Hodgins is, is still out. Um Thomas Seo has been playing some D tackle, but I just the Beavs need to hit that portal and get a legit high three-star, four-star, five-star D tackle to come in. I mean, it, it's not even a question anymore of you know, kind of trying to make do. This is that to me watching all of this is going to be the difference between a really really good season and and an okay season so um defense won the first two two days in fact it was toward the after each of those first two practices the offense was doing up downs because they they couldn't move the ball um i did make a bold prediction in the lodge um from the offense so offense really switched flip between uh, well okay let me go back that first thursday back chance nolan was not available he was out sick so that first day it was just Ben Goldbranson and um, Tristan Jevia. And then um, when Chance came back last week, th- those two really, Jebbia and, and Nolan switched between the one and two spot quite often. Um, the star, the I'm, I'm gonna be super bold here because this is the name you guys have to like just remember because I see this kid, he's gonna be a star and it's Damian Martinez. And, um, he was the one that would actually break through. I mean, they'd whistle it dead before he'd actually score, but um, that young man has, I have not seen a running back impress me this young since Jack So um, big, big shoes to fill, but pretty impressive so far. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more on the Martinez talk. Um, everything that I had seen from him over the first two weeks of camp before they went into that break was, you know, he was the most effective running back out there. And, you know, to be fair, they weren't doing much in the running game. You know, half of practice wasn't even full pads. Um, as you said, they blow the play dead after contact. So we couldn't really get like a full image of what he might bring to the table, but he was, he was the one guy who was taking the ball for 10 yards. Um, whereas the others were, you know, kind of getting stopped up at the, at the line of scrimmage. So I really liked what I've seen from him so far. I know you're really high on him. Um, I think he has the potential to be a Jamar Jefferson type where he steps in as a true freshman and just kind of takes that job by storm. Um, I, I could really see him emerging as Oregon state's featured back right out of the gate. Um, I, I want to ask you too, because you highlighted the defense there saying that they won the day multiple times at this point in the off season, you know, we're still pretty early on in, in spring camp. Do you like to see the defense that far ahead of the offense or is that concerning to you about where the offense is? No, I mean, at this point you want the defense winning um, because the offense hasn't installed everything yet. Defense knows what plays are coming. And, um, you know, in the past, we haven't seen the defense winning many days in practice, whether that's spring camp or fall camp. So um, to see them really dominating um, this, this spring is, is big. Now, hopefully they carry that forward and win early in fall camp. And then by the mid, midpoint of fall camp is when I want to see the offense start, you know, really start moving the ball a little bit more. Um, quarterbacks, it's, it's going to be, you know, I, I like what chance Nolan brings to the table and that he can move a little bit. Um, sometimes it feels a little willy nilly with him. I, I like the leadership though, that Tristan Jebbia brings. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And, and we'll talk a little bit about JT Daniels next. The Beavs missed that, that pick. Um, but you know, they have what they have. Um, I, I did talk to a couple players recently who really didn't seem to think that the Beavs needed Jaden Daniels, that they needed a D tackle. So um, they both felt really confident in what Jebbia or Nolan could bring. So um, yeah, I, I really think the team is in a good spot. Like I said, D tackle to me is the biggest. I think the first team offensive line is really good. I don't think they're going to miss much of a beat. Um, receivers has been kind of a mixed bag. I mean, we've seen Tyjon, we've seen Trayshawn, um, Gould. I mean, a huge rotation of who's running with the first team. So um, and I have to be, say, because I'm so glad you're back, Carter, and I apologize to all the blitzers with my Lodge notebooks, it is super, super hard when you're trying to write down the first team offense and defense. You're trying to write down all the numbers and then try to watch the play and what transpires. And then the defense rotates and, and subs out two guys and the offense subs out guys. So I, Carter, let's just say the Lodge is happy you're back. <laughs> It's it's difficult to get all of that information down to when they're limited to one field and you're stuffed in the corner of uh, the Truex Indoor Center, uh, which is what happened yesterday. So yesterday, Tuesday being the first day of the final week of spring camp, uh, I returned to the practice field for the first time in about three and a half weeks. And Oregon welcomed me back with a snowy morning in, in Corvallis in the middle of April. It was about 40 degrees when I got there. Uh, it had transitioned to rain and we were stuffed inside the Truex uh, watching, you know, watch, watching practice on, on one single field. I, I don't think they like practicing indoors too, because it really limits what they're able to do. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very limited practice uh, in just in that I wasn't able to see much for one because our viewing angles in, in there aren't nearly oh, as good as what they are uh, on the pro throw fields. And then also, as I mentioned, you know, they, they just can't accomplish as much when they're all fighting for, for field space. So uh, the lodge notebook yesterday was a little bit thinner. I expect it to, to kind of re return back to uh, its old self as they hopefully get back outside tomorrow on Thursday for their, their kind of their final ramp up for the spring game. So speaking of the spring game, I want to preview it a little bit because I was able to get some information on the format. Okay. Um, as you might see in the, uh, in the title of this episode, I, I put the, uh, the quotation marks around game game as you have, as you and I have become accustomed to Angie under Jonathan Smith, the spring game isn't necessarily a game, a game per se. Uh, it's just kind of an extension of, of spring camp. And that from what I have been told is what we should expect this Saturday at research stadium. Uh, don't expect a full scrimmage or anything. You're probably going to see some position group drills for the first half hour or so. Um, you'll see a, a decent amount of scrimmage for sure. Probably some goal line work, maybe some red zone work. Um, but you're not going to see a four quarter scrimmage like you do at, at most schools across the country. Um, yeah. So your, your thoughts, question. your thoughts, Angie, on on that format. Is it? Is I don't it, like it. Does it? Yeah. I, well, I mean, let me just hear what you think. I, in my opinion, I mean, the spring game should be a culmination of spring camp. It should be a celebration for the team and the players. Let them go ones versus ones, twos versus twos, or ones versus twos. I, I don't care. Um, but let them actually have some fun with it and then also use it to hype up for the fan base. I mean, the spring game, spring game has gotten to be so dull and boring that it doesn't get people hyped up. Nobody really, I mean, if you're coming from Portland, do you really want to go down and watch them practice? No, not really. I mean, so, to be fair, um, they, they do close practices now to, to the public. Whereas, you know, before under Mike Riley and even a little bit into Gary Anderson, um, you know, some, some fans were able to come in and watch a few practices here and there. So I do think there is something to be said for, you know, this is the one practice you get to watch all year, get to research, come watch us do our thing. Um, but I also do want to note, you know, they are doing their best to turn this into an event as, as far as, you know, it, it is limited. It's just practice. It's not a game. Um, but they are having, you know, a, I don't know, a, a get together, I believe in the, in the club level, um, with Jonathan Smith and I think Scott Barnes, correct me if I'm wrong there before the That's game. Right. Yeah. Um, and then during the game, obviously you get a chance to kind of take in a little bit of the construction that's going on at research. Mm -hmm. So I drove by there yesterday on my way to the indoor center. The video board is completely scrapped. It's uh, it's just kind of the frame right now as they work to to rebuild that and and implement some state of the art technology there. I'm super excited to see what that looks like because that'll be good to go for this upcoming 2022 season. Um, as as far as the the west side of research goes, still a lot of dirt, um, but they have poured a decent amount of concrete. So I think if you come in to research this weekend and, and you watch the spring game, you're going to be pretty excited to see the progress they've made yeah, there. Cause yeah. it, it definitely looks a lot different uh, than it did just a few short months ago after the implosion. Yeah. I mean, there's actually footings going, you know, concrete and, um, and that scoreboard, they were just taking that down last week when you, when I was down there. So fun, fun to see that. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm just one, I guess I'm just old school and let them go play. I, I get it. I get the worry about injury, but I mean, injuries happen in regular drill work too. I mean, gosh, I mean, coach Smith said last Thursday that, um, Nashon, right. Or Rajon hurt his wrist just in a drill in drill. So, um, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Rajon Wright uh, out for the remainder of spring camp with a wrist injury. He was wearing a soft cast yesterday at practice. So um, do not expect to see him on Saturday if you come down to Reeser to watch that. But definitely, I, you know, I, I do want to promote that a little bit because I want to see a good turnout from Beaver Nation. You know, this is this is your one opportunity to see the team on the practice field. And it's a good chance to see some of the progress that they've made on the research project. Um, you know, for, for those of you who aren't in Corvallis often, um, you know, take it in because it's, and then there's baseball too. You can stick around and, and watch Beavs and Long Beach state. Exactly. We'll get to baseball in just a minute here, but I do want to touch on war one more football topic. Uh, Angie, this news broke this morning. It's not good. It's not good news. It's, it's not what Oregon state fans wanted to hear. It's, Honestly, not, I think, what you and I had even expected. Uh, JT Daniels commits to West Virginia. So Oregon State loses the, uh, the JT Daniels sweepstakes. The number one quarterback transfer in the country right now is staying out east. He's going to stay um, in, well, I guess he's in Big 12 territory now. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, West Virginia's in the Big 12. But why do you think Oregon State missed out on this and how much of a factor did Oregon State's inability to put together an NIL package play in his commitment to the Mountaineers? Yeah, I so you know he visited Oregon State first, and it went by all accounts everything I had heard it went well. Um, he even stayed an extra day, went to a couple of practices, sat down with the coaching staff to really kind of. Um, I, I do think he would have fit really well with the Beavers' offense. I did worry about West Virginia simply because Graham Harrell um, is the offensive coordinator from USC that recruited him to SC. Um, they have a, a long past, a long history. And um, I did hear after his Missouri visit, that didn't go as well. So I, I had a little more hope that Oregon State might come out, like you called it, the sweepstakes. Um, and then he goes to West Virginia this weekend and, and pulls the trigger like almost immediately. So um, I do think NIL could be a factor there. Oregon State is putting together, or Oregon State boosters are putting together a collective. It's just it, it seems like everything Oregon State does is kind of like a day late, a dollar short, or they're just really slow to adapt to things. Um, I, I don't really know what West Virginia has, but obviously, you know, he might, um, JT might say that NIL isn't a big deal to him, but if you check out his Instagram and I mean, he was, he was well, I mean, spokesman for all kinds of stuff down in Georgia. He had a big deal with Zaxby's, Zaxby's you know, it's obviously yeah. a huge um, fast food chain in, in the yeah. South. So I, so, I, mean, I do think that that, you know, without a doubt played a role in his decision. I mean, we'll see in, in the in the coming months, you know, who he's on billboards for and who he's doing commercials for. Um, they also have a young quarterback room. I mean, so that, that probably come into play a little bit. But um, yeah, I I think as a, you know, Oregon State fan, it, it I, I saw someone post this, but this is what I thought initially was Oregon State kind of just is this perpetual bridesmaid. They're always kind of runner up to things. Um, and again, I, I think part of that's just the slow adaptation to, to changes. I think part of that is maybe the lack of a, a really dynamic closer on the recruiting, on the coaching staff. Um, this, this group is being kind of, it's shaped in, in the likeness of Coach Smith. Um, very workmanlike, very um, just, 
matter of fact, I guess, but there's not a lot of excitement. There's not a lot of excitement um, or out, I should say outside excitement. You talk to players, you talk to coaches, they're excited about the season. They're excited about what they can do, but it's more of that quiet lunch pail, go to work, put your head down kind of mentality, not rah, rah cheerlead. And sometimes you need a little bit of that toot in the horn and um, you know, excitement. Not much pomp and circumstance going on uh, inside the Valley Football Center, but I, I, you know, I question how much that played a role in Daniel's decision because yeah. this is the kind of guy who just wants to get down to work. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's why Oregon State was so appealing to him from the get-go. You know, he he probably saw a place where he could come in right away, easily be the favorite to win the quarterback job, um, have an offense that set him up for success and, and have a, a no nonsense head coach who just wants to win games and, yeah. you know, isn't worried about uh, what outsiders think. And, you know, I mean, so it, Carter, we talk, let me we talk about NIL, this. but I don't think Jonathan Smith is out here, you know, pushing NIL deals. Uh, let me ask you this though. Do you think, so we we've talked about in the lodge that picking up a, a guy in the portal, the stature of JT Daniels, how that could have propelled Oregon state, recruiting especially potentially in the portal do you think not landing him hurts the beefs i mean yeah i i think anytime you can bring in a quarterback of that stature it's automatically going to attract some of the players that are immediately affected by having a talented quarterback on your roster you know you're going to see skill position guys come in um with with big offer sheets if you've got JT Daniels here, you know, your receiver room is probably going to see an uptick in talent. You're, you're running backs, even, you know, they want a guy who can take the pressure off of them a little bit. Um, offensive linemen, you know, they want to protect a guy of, of that caliber too. So I, I think, yeah, it just being able to land him would have gotten the ball rolling, I think to um, for, for Oregon state to take that next step in recruiting, because under Jonathan Smith, we've seen an improvement there, you know, year over year, there has been steady upwards, a steady upwards trajectory as far as recruiting goes. Um, but they're, they're always just so close to getting over the hump and, and bringing in somebody of this caliber. And I think the second they do, cause it's going to happen the second they do, um, it's, it's going to do wonders for the, for the potential of of what this team can accomplish. But I want to go back to a point you made. This is something that's, that's been on my mind all day. And, and honestly, over the last couple of months is the lack of a, a true closer on this recruiting staff. I think we saw it most glaringly with the Braden Dorman mm-hmm. recruitment. So for those unfamiliar, I, I'm sure most are at this point, but Braden Dorman four-star quarterback out of uh, Mesa, Colorado. Is that correct? Yeah, Colorado. I don't, Colorado Springs, maybe somewhere in Colorado. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who 23. Yes. Uh, this is a guy who Oregon state was high on from the very second, you know, they, they discovered him. Um, they pushed hard. He was very much into the whole Oregon state thing. Um, you Wearing know, if you go on, his, on, yeah, yeah. You go on his social media, everything's orange and black. He takes one visit to Arizona very, very late in his recruitment. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it flips. He's, he's a wildcat. That concerned me when it happened because that's a position that Oregon State should be locking down. Quarterback should not be a concern. Uh, when you have Brian Lindgren and, and Jonathan Smith on your recruiting staff, you shouldn't be losing quarterbacks to, to other Pac-12 schools, in my opinion. So, Especially Arizona. 
hundred percent. Yeah. A, a team that won one game last year. So I, I think we've seen that kind of rear its head a couple of times recently. And the fact that it repeated itself today with JT Daniels committing to West Virginia, um, I want to say kind of perpetuates what, what I've seen become an issue. Would you, would you kind of just, agree with that? I seriously was just going to ask you that before you started, because there's my concern a little bit because it shouldn't be an issue when you have your head coach as a former quarterback and an offensive, you know, guru. And then you have Brian Lindgren, who by all accounts is a, is a top notch offensive coordinator and you can't land your top quarterbacks. And this isn't a one-time deal. This has happened a couple of times now, JT Daniels, Braden Dorman, and then into years past where the beefs haven't, you know, landed their number one guy or have been came in second. So I think that is a super big concern. Um, and it's something I think if, if I'm coach Smith and I'm coach Lindgren, I'm looking in the mirror and thinking, how can I do this differently? Because I shouldn't be losing players to Arizona or even West Virginia, to be completely honest. I'm right there with you. And, you know, it, it's funny because we say this all the time, but I, I think our concerns about this would be, um, I, I think we would feel a lot better about Oregon State's situation if they could go out and bring in a defensive tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so that's losing, the other area. Like losing, I, I want to see Leggy go out and get a D tackle. So 100%. I, mean, I, I liken this to like, let's say Trent Bray is your head coach. And what if he was striking out with every linebacker he recruited and had, yeah. you know, it would start to make you say, huh, what's going on? I, mm -hmm. like I said, we're like, this is like quarterback number three, maybe four. I, I'm starting to kind of wonder here what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, again, one defensive tackle comes in and we're not talking about JT. Everybody's in, super in September. I'll, exactly. I'll tell you that much. Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to hit a quick ad break here before we get to baseball and basketball. I want to promote beaverblitz.com, which powers the damn podcast. Damn podcast is under the beaver blitz umbrella. Um, we are under the 24 seven sports umbrella. So a subscription to Beaver Blitz gets you access to all of our coverage of Oregon State football, men's basketball, baseball, and pretty much everything else that goes on within the athletic department. Uh, you get access to Angie's expertise, my practice reports, uh, JP's weekly walk-off in, in baseball season, and, and all sorts of other great uh, subscriber-exclusive content. Um, Plus, you get access to the entire 24-7 network. Which, which, is, which is a great value in itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a full subscription to 24-7 Sports also gets you Paramount Plus access included in your subscription, which is worth the money by itself. Uh, the Beaver Blitz merchandise store is also still up and running. If you're watching us live on YouTube, I'm going to go ahead and drop that link for you in the chat. If you're interested in any of our 20th anniversary gear. I have been wearing my sweatshirt like all the time. I love it. It's cozy. They weren't even that expensive. Honestly, we're not making any money on them. The merch is no. just the cost um, that spread shop um, charges and they'll ship it right to your house. You order what you want. I do think I might need to order that 20, 20 the big 20, the big 20, I think is what I named it. I, I've got like so much Beaver Blitz gear in my closet right now that I, I feel like I'm stocked for the full. And the mug, like I got my dad, he's been looking for a coffee mug like a travel mug that would fit in his cup holder. So we have the Beaver Blitz one ready to go. So I ordered it for my dad. He loves it. Yeah. If, if you need that link to the Beaver Blitz merch store, uh, if you're it's watching us live, live, it's it's in the chat. 
it's in the lodge at beaverblitz.com. So be sure to check that out and, uh, and rep us at, at the next Oregon state baseball game or at the spring game this weekend. All right, let's dive into baseball. Now, uh, Oregon state coming off of a huge series win in Los Angeles, getting their first sweep of USC at Dato field ever, ever uh, a little hard to believe, you know, considering Oregon state success on the diamond the last two decades now, but, um, yeah, USC has been a, a tough competitor in this conference for a long time, obviously a very historically successful program uh, and to go down there and sweep them on their home field for the first time ever is, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, obviously if, if you're doing something that hasn't been done before you're doing something right. So that sweep pushes Oregon state up to number three in the D one baseball rankings. That's the most widely kind of used uh, ranking source. That's what I've been using for the last few weeks here at Beaver Bullets. Uh, but they move up to number two in the NC, NCBWA and coaches polls. So uh, you're looking at a top two team here uh, entering the weekend. Top two or three already. I mean, just early in the season. So not too shabby. So we're taping this on Wednesday. Just a quick reminder. And I hope JP is watching because I know this is this could cause stress for JP. It is a Thursday series start this week with Easter because they do not play on, on Sunday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this week with Long Beach State. They're the dirt bags, right? The yep, dirt the dirt bags are, are coming to town. So bags. Long Beach State enters the weekend at 15 and 16 overall. Uh, they were an even 500 before a midweek game yesterday. And honestly, it's odd to go and, and you know look at their schedule and see a losing record because Long Beach State yeah. is one of those teams that you know, I, I feel like in college baseball, a lot of the Western powers come from the smaller conferences. So Gonzaga right now, a top 20 team, um, all of those big West teams like a, a UC Irvine, a Cal State Fullerton, and of course, Long Beach State, which we're talking about right now. Uh, these are teams that are consistently in the mix come come regional time. You know, every now and then one of them will break into the, the College World Series and uh yeah, Long Beach State, a bit of a, a down year, and I think a big opportunity for Oregon State to, to continue to build momentum here in the middle of the conference season. Um, I, I really like that they get their non-conference you know, break from Pac-12 play right in the middle. Um, a, a good opportunity to regroup, maybe figure some things out. And, of course, as we learned big yesterday, news. big news, getting another starting pitcher into the rotation. So Jake Fennig's right-handed pitcher out of Post Falls, Idaho, the number two starter entering the season, uh, missed the last, oh, what is it now? Almost two months yeah. uh, with the back injury. He is coming back. He will start the series opener tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, we expect him to throw 30 to 35 pitches based off of the indications that uh, pitching coach Rich Dorman gave play-by-play -play man Mike Parker the other day. So uh, Angie, I, I, I don't know if you were able to see Fennig starts down in surprise. I was there and saw the first one. Um, he, he looked impressive. You know, he's, he still hasn't given up a run through seven innings of work, uh, about a strikeout per inning. And I think getting him back, uh, really unlocks a lot of potential for the pitching staff. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, that's, they, they actually looked a little better this past weekend down in, in LA, but to get him back, even if it's just throwing 30, 35, you get him up maybe to 40, 50 the next week, get him feeling pretty confident by postseason, And that's, that's really big for Oregon State. 
Yeah, I, I think the big thing here is obviously, you know, getting your second best starter back in the mix is is huge in itself. But I think what that does for the rest of the staff might be even more important. One of the complaints with this year's team, I think that, um, you know, we, we've heard from fans and, and we've seen firsthand is the inability for them to kind of shut teams down when they get past the starter. Um, you know, the bullpen has been shaky this year. There's There's no other way to say it. Team ERA is a little bit higher than what we've become accustomed to. Um, the strikeouts are down just a touch from last year, I believe. I think what you get with Jake Fennig's back in the, the rotation is, you know, you don't have to have, you don't have to go to a bullpen day on Sunday. Um, you know, you, you have a, a solid starting three right now, and, and that saves a lot of arms. And if, if you can get him deep into games in the next, I don't know, month or so, um, that saves your arms even more. So yeah. I, I think what that, what that unlocks as far as your sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings um, is, is huge. And um, quite frankly, if, if you're going to have any level of postseason success, you need pitching depth. So yeah. to get one of the two starters back uh, is, is absolutely massive. And to do so still fairly early in the year, I, I think is, uh, is, is something that could really go a long way. Yeah, I mean, they just have to work him back slow, and then hopefully that back tightness doesn't rear its ugly head again. But, um, you know, you, you have to have faith in the training staff. They're going to be working him and, and keeping him iced and massaged and everything else and uh, getting him back as quickly as possible. The rest of the squad, Angie, I, you mentioned you were able to watch a couple of the games this past weekend down at Dato Field. Um, were they televised on Pac-12 Network? No, or was that, I, a, I just, was that I, a live stream situation? It was a stream. It was a stream. Okay. That's, um, that's a conversation that I, that I think we need to have on this podcast. Once we get into the part of the season where it's just baseball, we don't have any football. Um, we need to talk Pac-12 Network we and do. just how they have completely dropped the ball in baseball coverage. Um, there is no reason that you should have to watch the number two team in the country on a you know school-produced stream. So. We'll, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that next month or something. But uh, what did you see in, in those three games against USC? Because I was overseas and, and couldn't stream it, even if I wanted to. Um, you know, I, I, I checked the scores and see, you know, Oregon State sweep in USC. And I think, okay, this team's starting to put things together a little bit. Is that, is that kind of what you yeah. saw? Yeah, I, I felt that there was a little more fight um, in the past. You know, they might take a lead and then maybe let off the gas a little bit, but we saw them kind of battle the entire, the entire game, entire series. Um, the bats were a little stronger. Um, and you know, so much of baseball a is pitching it's, it's getting, and then it's also opportune hits. Um, and then just the timing of those. So, um, they kind of put it together and I, I am anxious to see if they can do that now against a long beach state team, which they should sweep, you know, by all intents and purposes. Um, will they have that killer mentality or will they, maybe let off the gas a little bit. So that's, I think this weekend is a big test for them um, to stay focused on the, on the here and now. hundred percent. I think, you know, these non-conference games, there's always a, a non-conference series that's mixed in with the rest of the PAC 12 play. Um, it feels like an extension of a midweek series a little bit. Yeah. Um, you, you want to see these guys locked in against a team that's, that really has no bearing on, kind of the part of the season that you're focused on, if, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, you, you want to see them come out locked in and, and, you know, don't let Long Beach State, um, 
take advantage of, of any mental lapses or anything. That is pretty much all we have to talk about on the baseball side right now. Obviously, the big story there is Jake Fennig's coming back um, again, throwing 30 to 35 pitches in the series opener. But a couple of other really um, noteworthy things that have transpired over the last week or two coming off the uh, coming on the, the hardwood. So the men's basketball team obviously has been done playing for about a month now, uh, just wrapped up the worst season in, in school history. Kansas just won the national championship. So we're done with basketball now, um, but that, that doesn't stop the, uh, the news cycle. So what day is today? Wednesday, I believe it was Monday that Monday. Eric Reveno was announced as the new associate head coach. Um, he replaces Carrie Rupp as the associate head coach. And then Oregon state will have one more assistant job to fill. Uh, Eric Reveno, I don't know if you have his bio pulled up here, but I'll give you a chance to do so if you want. Um, he's got some West Coast ties, which I think is yes. big for recruiting. Um, you know, you want to you want to keep as much West Coast talent out here as possible. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's something that Oregon State has dropped the ball on a, a lot in basketball. Seeing guys like uh, Ben Gregg, Nate Biddle commit to other Pacific Northwest teams. Uh, ben Gregg in, in particular is, is someone that, um, that Oregon state really thought that they really kind of had, had. In, their, in their crosshairs yeah. and, uh, you know, he eventually goes to Gonzaga. So I, if, if you've got this pulled up, I, do, I, I, do. So I, I want you to give me a little rundown on, on Eric Reveno because, um, so I, he, I, he brings, Stanford. he brings, he brings a lot to the table. I, I think I've heard a lot of good things about him. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you my initial reaction was, I, and I feel bad saying this and I, cause I love Wayne Tinkle. I think he's a great guy, but I, I had a uh, organization booster reach out to me, a blitz member. And he just said, what's your reaction? And I said, honestly, I'm just numb with basketball. It's like, show me, I, I don't care. You could have hired Michael. J well, Michael Jordan, I might've been really excited about, but I, I just, I want to see it. I want to see something transpire, right? You can be the best guy in the world, but let's see some wins. So he played at Stanford 85 to 89. He was an assistant coach with the Cardinal gosh, for about 10 years. Then he went on to the University of Portland as a head coach for 10 years before moving um, to Georgia Tech as an assistant and then the assistant head coach working with the bigs. And so where I said I was numb when they first hired him and I just kind of was like, eh, we'll see. We'll see what he does. The more and more I've heard um, from people that, you know, have connections to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech was upset to see him go. Um, he's done a lot with the big men there. Um, by all accounts is a good recruiter, um, and a good coach. So, um, you know, proof will be in the pudding, but I, I think it's, it's, I think it's a change that had to be made. Um, yeah. but, um, by all accounts, this guy should be, you know, top notch. So we'll see, like I said, it's just hard for me to get too excited. Like I said, Michael Jordan might have got me excited. <laughs> you you think that one, that one moves the needle a little bit for you? <laughs> Michael Jordan would totally move the needle for me. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I, I've, I've heard nothing but good things on, on coach Reveno uh, over the last couple of days as, as this has kind of, you know, transpired as the fallout from the hire has, um, you know, hit the, the Twitter sphere and, and whatnot. Um, everyone that's familiar with what he's done at Stanford and I believe at university of Portland um, has, has nothing but good things to say. So, so he also sign. coached just one quick thing too. He, um, the summer of 2021, he served in a, as an assistant coach for the Czech Republic's U18 team um, for European Challenger events. So, I mean, so he'll have some Euro ties as well, yep. which 
Oregon State isn't afraid to, to go after. Yeah. And I mean, that takes us back to the Craig Robinson days too, with, you know, basing a lot of your, um, a lot of your starting lineup on, on international talent. You know, I know the, the wins, soccer team, the soccer yeah, team's doing yeah. that. So I know the wins weren't always there under the, the you know, the Craig Robinson era, but um, they had some pretty fun players to watch that came from overseas. I think of the Shaft and our brothers, um, Oh shoot. Who else? I mean, Devon Collier, wasn't he, uh, I, I want to say he was Canadian. Canadian or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, there's, there's a long list. Uh, Shay Enjai is, is yeah, one there. Yeah. There's a long list of guys who came uh, from overseas and, and put together, you know, solid four year careers at Oregon state. So those international ties are um, they're nothing to, to scoff at the other news that came from the Oregon state men's basketball program not necessarily great news, uh, two players, two key players entering the transfer portal. So Jared Lucas and Deshaun Davis, both, I believe since the last time we recorded this podcast yeah, yeah. have entered the portal. Um, I, I, I know Davis at least was about two weeks ago. Lucas was, was like just before him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, those are two guys, you know, that you were, if you're Wayne Tinkle, you're hoping you're building your lineup around next year, but you lose your, your starting point guard and your starting shooter guard the best shooter on your roster, the, uh, the reigning assist leader in the pack 12, where do you go if you're Wayne Tinkle right now to replace what should have been, uh, the focal point. So of, yeah, of your, your leaders. Team? So well, let me ask you this part, because you were around this team all season long, you saw the, you know, and I, I was a big Jared Lucas fan, but body language and, and some things I've heard, potentially he had checked out a little before there was some coaching some riffs with the coaches. Do you think these, both these, and, and Deshaun Davis, he had a couple little run-ins mm -hmm. too with, with players. Are these, do you think this helps the locker room culture? Or do you think, like I said, it, it's always tough when you're going to lose your leading scorer and a guy that should be a fourth year starter. Yeah. That's, it's, it's tough to no say if, that. it's tough to say if it's an addition by subtraction thing, because you know, by all accounts, these are the two best players on that team as far as skill goes. So, I mean, you'd have to make up a lot in terms of team chemistry to replace their production. Um, whether they were the two problems on, on last year's team, you know, I don't know. What I do know is that both of them have had their issues as, as far as chemistry goes. Um, Jared Lucas, mostly with, you know, what you mentioned with disagreements with the coaching staff. Um, I mean, that's not even insider information. That's something that yeah. we've seen with our own eyes nice. during the middle of games. Um, I, I, I go back to that all access game on, on Fox about two years ago when Jared Lucas is, is seen rolling his eyes his in the eyes. locker room. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to bash on these guys too much, but I have heard that, you know, they were two of the guys who, you know, might have seen a few issues stem from, from their behavior. So um what that does for the locker room, I don't know. I mean, like I said, again, you need to bring in some really talented players to replace um, what you're losing from them. I don't care how much you make up for it in, in you know, added chemistry by losing them. It's, it's difficult to replace a three-point shooter of Lucas's caliber and a guy who can, you know, move the rock as, as well as Davis does. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think we need Ted Lasso as our coach. I just got done watching that whole series and it's so good. I haven't gotten out. to it yet, but um, everything I've heard. Is Maybe Roy Kent can come be our coach. That's, that would be awesome. Soccer, it'll trans. Yeah. 
Sorry, we'll have to Carter. see where, where Oregon State goes with its final opening on the men's basketball staff. If you had maybe a, a wish list, I mean, we don't have a short list yet at, at Beaver Blitz or anything, but if you had a wish list of, you know, maybe some of the traits you're looking for in another assistant, is, is there something you want to see Wayne Tinkle target? I think a solid coach, I, an X's and O's in-game guy. I think um, I would love to see Oregon State. I, I think that's a maybe a, a area that Oregon State has not done a good job with is in-game adjustments. Um, so someone that can really kind of dial in what's going on in-game, make some changes in-game. Um, and I, I think someone that can help with chemistry. I, I think that was so and, – and part of that's play – I mean, it's not all in the coaches. I, I heard too many times that Oregon State was really missing – um, Stevie Thompson and um, Zach Reichley, Zach Reichel, um, that those two guys were kind of the glue and were the, the team leaders that would kind of get guys get guys right. So um, maybe a, a younger guy with a lot of energy that can hit the road recruiting and, and relate to some of these guys. Sounds like you want to uh, to clone Marlon Stewart. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he has a bright future from what yeah. I've seen from him. So um, I mean, there's a reason he was the only assistant that survived the. Um, you know, the, the purge, the so block. to speak. Um, so, um, no, I, think, I, I do. I think, um, I think you have a lot of experience now with Wayne and you, and, and push Rev Um, so, and then you have some youth and some energy with Marlon Stewart. So maybe kind of a combo of the two. It's yeah, it's a good mix because I think, you know, what you get from Stewart is the, as, as you mentioned, kind of the energy guy, the recruiter, um, someone who can rate, relate to these players on a personal level as, um, you know, a, a really young guy who's still kind of up and coming and, and um, you know, earning, earning every, every yeah. bit of it, so to speak. Um, and then you we got get Chris you know, Weber. Chris Weber would be good. Maybe, hey, Lillard. He's out right now with an injury. Let him come coach a little bit. Do a little part-time assistant part-time, job. Little little side hustle. He might even help us with some recruiting with football. You never know. Yeah, we will see where Wayne Tinkle takes it uh, over the next, I don't know, couple of weeks, maybe yeah, the next month or so. I mean, I would imagine he's probably going to want to get this thing locked up quickly before they go into their offseason workouts. Yeah. So and, and summer and summer, all the tournaments for recruiting. Yeah, we will keep you posted the soonest we hear anything on the men's basketball front uh, that covers the news there. One last thing that. Uh, that I feel like we really need to touch on is, is maybe the most notable actually Jade Carey on Thursday will be beginning her quest for a national title. So uh, she is participating in the all around at nationals. Um, she marks, oh man, I, I think I saw this was the 15th time in the last 16 years, Oregon state was represented at nationals. So uh, clearly a pretty good track record there on the gymnastics team, but I, I couldn't think of anyone more capable of coming away with a, a title than Jade Carey. Yeah. I mean, how amazing and, and the hardest thing to win um, because you're competing in all, all of the events. So um, she's been amazing watching her all season. I, I know she did announce that she would be kind of stepping away Still with Oregon State, but would be focusing again on the international front after um, the national NC2A championships, working more. I don't know if it's back with the Olympic team or, or what her um, plan is, but um, she's been a pleasure to watch. And I know the chaplains, Tanya, is excited to get her back then in the gym whenever she can. Yeah, obviously, you, you, 
you can't blame Carrie for um, for moving on and you know doing whatever she but, can at the, the at the international level. The beautiful thing about it is though is that she's still practicing her trade, so it's not like yeah. she's sitting out and um, I mean she's practicing at the highest level and then she can come back and compete at Oregon State when 100%. she's you know so. I think it's a, it's not like she's, you know, just taking a leave of absence to. And, and frankly, if we never see her at, at Oregon state again, you know, if, if some huge thing uh, on, on the international scale comes up for her, um, what she has given this program, this university mm-hmm. um, and, and quite frankly, the community, you know, I, I think everybody in the state of Oregon has, yeah. has really appreciated what she's done. Um, what she and, has and, given. And she's a beaver through and through. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she already. Just I mean, she com- she committed well before the Olympics and everything, and and stuck with it. Um, she's been nothing short of impressive in in every way, and I think Oregon State is better for it. So, yeah. best of luck to Jade. You can follow her on ESPN two tomorrow on Thursday. In, I mean, I'm I'm not fully familiar with how. Yeah, I don't know how that. Yeah, because at, at Oregon State team didn't qualify. Right. So I don't know. I mean. I don't have a schedule to give you yeah. or anything, but I, I know you can go on the, uh, the Oregon state gymnastics site and they've got the information for you there. Um, but it is on ESPN too. So nationally televised, um, you know, it's, it's not on Pac-12 network. So every, everyone can <laughs> watch it. It's not on an Oregon state live stream. Um, so at least you can watch Jade carry, um, you know, from the, from the comfort of your own couch, but. Okay. Carter, you got to get this on the agenda for one of our future talking plays. Should I we can, bring in sense? Yeah, I can sense the, the disdain. The disdain. Should we bring on? Uh, man, I don't know. We could we could try to bring in some sort of Pac-12 employee and, and pick their brain a little bit on on the network. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like they don't really want the publicity though. Yeah, because <laughs> it's bad. Nobody nobody ever has anything good to say about the Pac-12 network. So I don't know. We'd we'd really have to sell that one if we were trying to get a guest from from the conference office. True. True. I don't know. Well, that wraps things up for us here on this week's episode of the Dan Podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us live on YouTube uh, and and for sharing your comments. I know we didn't get around to to sharing any of them on the air, but uh, we've been reading them, and um, you know it's it's a good place for discussion as as we talk here. So um, be sure to join us next week as we return to our live format once again. We're going to get back into the swing of things now that uh, now that we're back here in the States. We'll yeah, have to take leave. another leave of absence at no. the end of the month as, as Angie leaves. But I, we you are can bring we're, on, we're you good can to bring go on next week, aren't we? Next week is good. The next week I'll yep. be at the Eiffel Tower. There you go. Wine. So while Angie's overseas, uh, I might look into to bringing some guests on. And uh, we can do some fun things here as, as spring football wraps up and as we get a little bit more. Uh, flexibility in in our schedules here but um yeah that's going to do it for this week thanks for joining us again you can follow her on twitter at angie machado one you can follow me at carter baines and of course stick with beaver blitz for all the latest as we wrap up spring camp and as baseball enters the final month of the regular season for angie i'm carter thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week for another episode of the damn podcast good.